Hello, Molo, Sawona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. How are you doing? Uh, thank you, worship team, for such an awesome time of worship. It was really incredible. And yeah, you know, like I saw everyone dancing, and some others were just holding it in. I'm just trying to keep cool. <laughs> well, happy, happy level one. Yeah, happy level one, everybody. You can now uh, come to church. You can come here to church. <laughs> We've got space over there. And if you're enjoying the service from the comfort of your home, hello. I hope you're enjoying the weather from back there. And um, yeah, so we, ha- we are starting a new series this week. It is called Defined By. All right. Uh, have you noticed that recently it has been very difficult being, to be a Christian? Like it's been very interesting that we've had leaders fall, moral failure. We have, you know, people coming up with all weird beliefs and stuff. And then you have people saying things that you're like, how now? I thought you were different. We've had, um, we've had like locally, we, we always have our prophets, right? There's everyone popping up doing all sorts of stuff every now and again. So as Christians, what has happened is that society, really, like from a long time ago, has kind of discounted us. Like, yeah, no, you, you, you can't speak on certain matters. You can't because of your hypo- being hypocritical and all those other things that we get labeled. But I want, uh, something that I noticed is that even when things are hard, when things are difficult, that people always say, what is the church saying and what is the church doing? Like, there's always that thing, that question that comes up. What is the church saying? What is the church doing? In Matthew 5, in Matthew 5 verses 13 to 15, Jesus says, You are the salt and the light of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall, it, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be trampled uh, to be thrown out and trampled uh, under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and set it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the entire house. So what Jesus is saying is that he has an expectation on every single one of us as people who believe in him, that we just, when we are in this world, that we become salt and light. Salt means we add flavor, you know, we add something different to the world. Light being we are, we, we become an example to everyone around so that when people see your life and see my life, that they'd be like, there's something different about that person. It's an expectation that Jesus has on every single one of us. We are not supposed to live our lives like those celebrities who uh, often like to say, 
I'm just a musician. I'm not a role model. So no one should follow my example. I just want to make songs. Or soccer players or whatever sports stars. They're like, I'm just a sportsman. I don't want to be famous or do anything. So don't follow my example. Just enjoy what I do. As a Christian, we do not have that luxury to say stuff like that. That No, I just go to church. Don't mind me. Like, look at the pastors over there. The ones that sit in front. Every single one of us, when we claim to be followers of Christ, we need to live a life that is an example to the world. A life that is different, a life that is set apart. So, hence why we're doing this series. Because it's difficult sometimes because people place expectations on you. And we like, because you're a Christian, therefore you must act one, two, three. And it becomes tricky. Do you like please man or because you want to be an example? Do you want to be like people pleaser or all of that? Because you're trying to, you're trying to set an example. You're trying to be Christ-like. But the truth is that, you know, as Christians, there are certain character traits that we are going to explore over the next coming month that are essential to our faith, that are essential to our disposition and our interaction with the world. Not that the world is going to tell us how we should behave. Let scripture tell us how we should behave and then we become an example to them. Because at at, at the end of the day, wisdom is proven by its fruit. Is that right? Yes, I think I said it right. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to kick off with defined by love and kindness. Uh, uh, Just a quick disclaimer. This is not a typical sermon about love. We are not going to read 1 Corinthians 13. I would like to spare you that because of all the weddings you attended last week. (laughs) There were just so many weddings. So I'm just going to spare you that. And it's going to be different. But what I would like for every single one of us is to take this, as, as the sermon goes by, is that we introspect, look at our hearts, look at our motives, and analyze our actions and our behaviors. And allow God to speak into some of us. And speak into our life and our situations and our attitude. Let's not hold on to anything dear except for the fact that we are we are followers of Christ. That our lives are meant to be glorifying to God. Let's hold on to that fact. Any other thing else? Can we just hold it loosely? You know, hold it with a pinky. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you that we have this moment to come before you. Lord Jesus, that Lord, we get to uh, sit before your word, Lord God, that your word will shape our lives, Lord God, that you encourage us, that you lead us, that you direct us, Lord God. We honor you, Lord. We submit our lives to you, Lord God. May you speak to us in the holy name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Guys, have you noticed how angry the world has become? Like, we used to have this trend of naming years... 2020 vision, 20 my team. And then last year, we're like, Andizi. I'm not naming it. Nope, I'm not going over there. We have become very angry and cynical. And if we look at all the issues that we have faced over the past couple of, of, over the past two years, the way we've reacted to them is with such anger and such hate. We started off with COVID coming up. And the response was, Is it a white people's disease? Is it a rich people's disease? I don't know. It's a conspiracy theory. They're trying to get us. Okay? Then we divide ourselves. People who believe in COVID, people who don't believe in COVID. Lockdown. Should we lock down or shouldn't we lock down? 
Should we save lives and risk livelihoods? Should we uh, uh, risk lives and save livelihoods? Why aren't people following the rules? Why aren't people wearing masks? Why aren't you staying at home? People with responses like, you only rich people can afford to stay at home because they have house to, a house to social distance. Some of us don't have that much space. All these reactions coming back and forth, and we have terms like COVIDiot. You've never heard of that one? Really? Urban Dictionary. COVIDiot is someone who blatantly refused to follow COVID guidelines and regulations. <laughs> and in the midst of all of that, we have Black Lives Matter. We have responses like, all lives matter. We have responses like, it's a Marxist, it's cultural Marxism. There's an agenda behind all of this. In the midst of all of that, we have Jacob Zuma. Should he go to, should he go to prison or shouldn't he go to prison? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is it a conspiracy theory? Is someone out to get him? Then we have looting. Is it, is it, um, is it an insurrection? Are people just breaking the laws or, or, or are they just hungry and dissatisfied? Is it a resolution? Is it an insurrection? Is it right or is it wrong? We go on. And the latest trays. Vaccines. Are you anti-vaxxer or are you a pro-vaxxer? What is happening is that all these issues are coming and what is happening is that we are drawing lines and dividing ourselves Pro-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer. And then after that, we point fingers and call names. Covidiot. Racist. Marxist. We calling fing- we're pointing fingers and we're calling names. And we're angry. Every single... I found myself being angry. Trust me, I was angry. I woke up this other morning and uh looting was happening and I looked out the window and it was burning and I'm like, whoever's burning that? Ooh, special place in hell. <laughs> I'm being honest with you because I asked you to be honest with yourself. <laughs> we end up being angry and we're dividing ourselves. And if we look and, and then we end up in camps. Phoenix happened. Are Indian people racist? Are they out to get us? Us duckies, we should stick together. Us Indian people, we should stick together. Drawing lines, huddling, against, huddling with each other, pointing fingers, calling names. That's what the world has become and that's how we are acting. And that the key fundamental uh, reason for all of that is because we are we're interested in self-preservation. I feel threatened, therefore I must find birds of a feather that flock together and mark the other birds. That we, 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 it's self-preservation. Who agrees with me? Who thinks I'm right? Because if you think I'm wrong, then I feel vulnerable and at risk. And sometimes I feel like my life is in danger. So we're driven by self-preservation and we're drawing lines and we're huddling in, in different corners. Uh, uh, probably our main scripture for today, Galatians 5, v- verses uh, 13 to 21 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Uh, they are in conflict with each other, so that uh, you are not to do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the likes. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's very easy to look at this passage of scripture and be like, eh... The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, I don't do that. Impurity, what does that mean? (laughs) Debauchery, I don't do that. Idolatry, I don't do that. Really? (laughs) Idolatry is when you make something else bigger than God in your life. If you own something that you cannot depart with, you probably don't own it, it owns you. Witchcraft, I don't do that. Do you not? Those little prayers of like, God, I wish he dies. <laughs> Hatred, that one's obvious. So we can go through this list and pick off certain things, but the truth is that we've all, we, we, we can find each other there. Ne? We can find ourselves there. There's something there in there that we are all uh, under. And it's driven by the flesh that we want to preserve our lives and we react from a place where we are driven by the flesh. And when, we, when our motives are driven by the flesh, it is contrary to the spirit. We are no longer in the will of God. We are reacting from a place that is purely based on the flesh. So our reactions need to be different. Jesus has one of the most controversial parts of, of, of Christianity that people res, refuse to follow him because he teaches this teaching found in Matthew 5. A lot of people don't want to believe and don't want to follow Christ because of such scriptures. Matthew 5 uh, uh, verse uh, 43. It says, You have heard it said, you shall, not, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes, this, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain to the just and unto the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brother, what more are you doing than others? Do not, uh, do not even the Gentiles do the same. For therefore, uh, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is a very difficult scripture to follow because it instructs us to love those who hate us. It instructs us to love those who are after our lives, who put us at risks. But Jesus says, love them. This is very contrary to what we think and what we believe. And it's very difficult for us to act out. And I think one of the reasons that this is, because, this is difficult because we misunderstand the concept of love. We think love means we agree. 
If we agree with each other, therefore we love each other. If we disagree, that means we don't love each other. But that's not what Jesus is teaching. That idea of agreeing and all of that, that's not biblical. That's not Christianity. That's something out there where, you know, birds of a feather flock together and mock the other birds. But Jesus instructs us to love those who, who, who hate us and who persecute us. He also instructs us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Uh, a couple of years ago, I came across this video or this uh, testimony by a guy called uh, Daryl uh, Davis. He's a musician who, for some random reason, I don't know why, he deci- he's black and he decided to, to go interview the leader of the KKK the Ku Klux Klan. He decided to go interview them. And because of his life and his work, about 200 people have decided to leave the KKK. Uh, guys, can you have the video ready? There'll be those who will not look beyond the picture of me shaking hands with a Klansman in a robe and hood. And, of course, they'll have that visceral reaction, like, what the hell is going on here? It is something we never see. A black man attending KKK rallies where crosses are burning and racist views are being spewed. Some of their beliefs are that African-Americans, black people, are born with smaller brains, that we are, we are inherently lazy, uh, we are inherently prone to crime, um, raping people, especially white women. Despite that offensive ideology, Daryl Davis has spent decades befriending members of the Ku Klux Klan. How do you talk to someone when someone's calling you the N-word? Because you take the higher road. You know who you are. There is one question Daryl has repeatedly asked members of the Klan. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? They've never had an answer that they can come up with that justifies how they can hate me. His conversations with Klansmen resulted in something Daryl never expected. I would find things in common. And as I began to build on those commonalities, the things that we had in contrast as trivial as skin color began to matter less and less. And as I built upon those commonalities, a relationship was formed. In the last 30 years, Daryl says 200 members across the country have left the KKK as a direct result of his involvement. He was very vicious, very violent, and very racist. But at the very end, he said that he respected me. Many of those who've left have given Daryl their robes and hoods. He keeps them in his home. It's a journey that is documented in the film Accidental Courtesy. I consider Frank to be my friend. I consider Daryl to be my friend as well. What do you think about the current tension in America? The culture of racism existed long before Donald Trump, long before President Obama, long before Bush or Clinton or whoever. We, American citizens, are to blame for fostering that culture of racism. Talking about race in this country has been taboo for a very long time. People don't want to talk about it. Darrell believes the only way to end racism is to confront it head on. Progress is made when you, when you put somebody, give somebody a platform where they can express their views, even if you don't agree with them. When two enemies are talking, they're not fighting, they're talking. It's when the talking ceases that the ground becomes fertile for violence. 
Gina Silva, Fox 11 News. There'll be. I don't know if Daryl is a Christian, but I think what Jesus said when he says love your enemy is pretty close to that. Pretty close to that. I had this idea the other day, and it was very random. I don't know why. It's probably God. Um, what do you think the conversation would be like? It's somewhere between heaven and hell that Jesus finds himself in an elevator with Hendrik Verwut and Hitler. I'm not going to. Knowing Jesus' character and knowing them, what do you think the conversation would be like? I bet it will not be pointing fingers and, throwing and, and, hur- and hurling insults. Because ultimately, what we f- forget to understand is that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we battle against princip- principalities and spirits in the air. That, that's our main battle. Those are the people that we should be angry at and the spirits that we should be angry at. But our debt is to love people, even though when they're flawed. This requires us to lay down our lives. Stephen died when he was being stoned and his reaction was, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He risked his own life. In Afghanistan, there are people who are refusing to leave, that are Christians, they're refusing to leave the country. Even though other countries are offering them an opportunity to leave, they're saying they're refusing to leave because God has placed them there. Risking their lives. Because they are driven by something greater than self-preservation and the flesh. I was so happy that today Sister Knox mentioned something about apathy. And there's something that really shocked me a couple of weeks ago. I was going to Facebook, and I saw this post. Uh, I forgot. Uh, can you put it up? I forgot to. Okay, there it is. It says, we urge all South Africans who are not yet vaccinated to get vaccinated so that life can go back to normal. Let's vaccinate to save lives. Normal life. And then there's that picture over there. Show me the next picture, please. And then there's those two pictures over there. And that's considered normal life. What shocked me about that thing was the fact that, not that the government put up that statement, the fact that we believe that, and I've said it in my own life, I can't wait for normal life to get, for life to get back to normal. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. But the truth is things are not normal. We say things are normal because we're self-centered. If it doesn't affect me, I'm okay. Only when it affects me and my livelihood, then I'm upset. Then I need to defend. That is not led by the spirit, that is led by the flesh. When we are constantly thinking about our lives and self-preserving ourselves, that is not led by the spirit, that is led by the flesh. Jesus said, love your neighbor. And love is not just a word. It's not just a simple word. And it's not just like, let's just, you know, figuratively love your neighbor. You know, like, he meant it in a spiritual way. In a way that your heart towards them is loving. Just like sometimes people would smile at you with that half smile. Hello. 
And we consider that loving our neighbor. John, John 1 verse 3 to 30, uh, uh, verse 3, 18 says, Dear children, let, uh, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. If we claim to love our neighbors and we love our enemies, we must have action. There must be something that we are doing to demonstrate this love. That our hearts are turned and our hearts shift. That we trust God to lead us and show us the way. That we put our lives solely on Him. Solely on God. One of the reasons that we stress so much and then we have so much anxieties and all these mental things is because we're trying to carry life in our own hands. That we're trying to fix it and wake it and work it to fit how we want. Instead of trusting Him who is greater than us, who is more powerful than us, and saying, God, I don't understand, but lead me, show me the way. To trust God with our pain, to trust God with our anger, to trust God with our disappointment. At some point in this, in, in this past two months, I think every single one of us in, in, in one place or the other have felt unsafe, have felt threatened, have felt unwelcome. But in all of that, Jesus still says, let's love other people. If we look to him, he will be able to carry us through the midst of any storm that we might face. Love is a result of, being, of living a life that is led by the Spirit, not a life that is led by the flesh. Even if people claim to love you and they're not led by the Spirit, that love is often selfish and self-motivated. I love you because I need a benefit from you. I need something in exchange. But if we're led by the Spirit, we will love unconditionally and not expect anything in return. If we see posts like that, that our hearts are stirred. South Africa is not that great. Unemployment is high. Poverty, corruption and all sorts of things that are happening around us, they're not great. Our response should be, what are we going to do as a result, as a reaction, as a response, as, as, as believers, as Christians, to show the world that we love? A city on a hill. What are we going to do to radiate the love of God, the light of God unto this world? What are we going to do to season this planet that we are on? Let's not be that salt shaker that when you shake it, it either the salt is not coming out. Have you ever had one of those in the restaurant and you're like, ah, ah, ah. Nothing's coming out because it's blocked by the flesh. <laughs> or sometimes the salt comes out and it's sand. Because we're investing in other things. That we're led by other things. That when the world says, let's go burn, all the Christians follow. When the world says, let's hate, all the Christians follow. That is not being a light onto this world. Our general, our, one of the basic premises and a basic belief of a Christian is that the world is broken. That it is under the rule of Satan. I don't know what would we be doing falling in line with him. Let's check our motives. Paul says, check yourself and see if you're worthy, if you're still in the race. Sometimes we just got to check ourselves and check our motives before we even put up that status, before we even like something on social media. What are you agreeing with? 
What are you partnering with? Because some people that follow you and you like something that insinuates hate, that insinuates division and insinuates other things, they go, oh, it's okay. Uh, Christians also agree with this. Yeah, it's fine. You know that even, uh, even my fundis is on this group. Oh, right. We make it easy and we make it acceptable. Jesus did not call us to be like that. He called us to be countercultural, to be different, to be a light unto this world. And sometimes we can feel so powerless. How do we do this? I have three simple tips. They're very simple. They're just from me, hum- humble old me, but I believe they can be very, they help us become very effective in loving our world, in loving our neighbor, in loving our enemies. The first step is start small. I've been really convicted lately to when I don't have my mask on and I see other people to smile. Maybe because I don't smile that often and Jesus is like, you look mean, you look mean, dude, you need to smile more. But what I notice is quite simple. When you smile, it, people smile back. Lightens the mood. You could have a bad day and you just smile. Smile at the security guard that you're always angry at and you're hating. And they're annoying you. Just smile. Set someone up to succeed. If you find a job, you know, be aware of who's around you that's in need. Like if you have resource and someone has, is in need, like do something about it. Look out for the interests of others. Do not be driven by your own selfish interests and selfish motives. Be constantly be looking out for the interests of others. Simple things like a job. And simple things like encouraging someone. Encouraging. You know, we complain about teenage pregnancy as a country. Oh my goodness, it's shocking. So many girls are pregnant. But when was the last time you spent some time with a young person and you encouraged them to be like, you are valued, you are valuable. You don't have to live, a, you don't have to give yourself to older men. Simple words of kindness and simple acts of kindness can go a long way. I was talking with my friend the other day and we're talking about uh, the current generation that we're ministering uh, to. And he was saying, oh no, they call themselves the depressed generation. Like, yeah, we call the depressed generation. What are we doing about that? Like, what are we doing? Are you, are we just like, find a young person, just, how's your day? Encourage them. Because the world is bleak. And if you're young and you're trying to cover future for yourself, when you are told that education is the key to success and you have people that are educated and they're unemployed, what are you going to do? You're going to be depressed. When your parents are struggling and they've worked all their, time, all their lives and their lives and their savings is all of that, when money, the value of money is getting less and less and less, you're going to be depressed. When the future doesn't look bright, you're going to be depressed. But as believers, I believe our job is to come to those people and tell them that you are the hope of all this mess. That you can make a difference. You are not some sort of a cosmic mistake that is supposed to fall in line with whatever is happening throughout history. You can change history. You can shape history. You can make a difference. So lift your head up. It's tough. But, you know, what's, what, what's that funny guy's thing? Uh, like something about when that... Tough times never last, but tough people last. 
That's it. Just that. <laughs> Just share that thing. Uh, Proverbs 16 says, uh, Gracious words are, honey, are, are, are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. Secondly, being consistent. I think we as South Africans are so quick to react to situations. But we are never consistent. We see racism in a particular country. Every political formation that exists in under this planet, on this, under this country, will be there. Marching Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We are angry. A month goes by, they're not there. The issue is still there. We're angry about the, the schools and the, the pit toilet. Someone fell in there. How oh, can they believe it? Government is this, government is that. And a month goes by, we forget about it. Being consistent. Taking a job in the government because you want to make a difference. And staying there because you want to make a difference. Doing something consistent about racism. I'm 32 years old. I am so tired of racism. I'm honest, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm up to here. It's been so long. <laughs> and what are we doing about it? What are we constantly doing about it? Um, I have a close, a, per, a, a close person in my life who moved from Durban to Joburg because of the racism in Durban between black people and Indian people. He couldn't take it anymore, and he wants to move. And I know many other people who want to do that. And I have a friend in Joburg whom I was talking to about the issue of racism, and he's like, no, we confront racism here. We don't live with it. We act on it. We don't let it. It's not part of the culture because they've changed it. They've changed corporate culture. I don't know, maybe they did it in an angry way, whatever the response is, but they've changed corporate culture. What are we doing as local Durbanites about racial issues? Or are we going to go to our workplaces and find where the black people sit and where the Indian people sit? Uh, there was this wonderful example of Eloise. She, if she's watching, hi Eloise. Uh, she's one of the ladies who used to work at the church. And she said when she first came to this church, she was invited to join Auntie Joy's connect group. And Auntie Joy cooked curry all the time. And it was hot. And she was never exposed to curry. And her stomach would be upset and all of that. And she prayed to God, God help me like curry. <laughs> and if you know Eloise, curry and Eloise are this close. <laughs> because she wanted to change cultural barriers and to change cultural norms. Because it was from a place of being driven by the Spirit. And it was consistent. Man, she had to endure all those hot curries because love was the motive and she wanted to be there. Let us be consistent. And finally, let us be led by the Spirit. Uh, Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. There's this very important part here. And it's, very, it's a very big theme in scripture. That says, you my brothers were called and sisters are called to be free. As Christians were called to be free. 
We're called to be free from people's opinions. We're called to be free from people's expectations. Even if people hate you, you are free from that opinion. That God's opinion matters than the opinion of man. So therefore God is exalted above how people treat you. There's a theme in the New Testament church that even through hard times, they were unchanged. They were still kind, they were still giving, they were still loving because they believed that they've been free from this world system. They did not align. They did not find birds of a feather. They asked God, God lead me. Christians, as Christians, we have a very big problem and that problem is called hatred. And we love justifying it. This other day I was watching YouTube and uh, uh, I was watching a podcast about theology, and they were talking about um, Arminianism and Calvinism. And then, in true YouTube fashion, less than a week later, someone else puts up a video reacting to that other video. And the way they're reacting is not seasoned with love and kindness. They are mad. And to be honest, they were hateful. Their comments were hateful. And we feel because we need to defend God... Because God's honor is at risk. Let us be angry. (laughs) We feel we need to defend God against other people who don't believe what we believe. Let's be angry. Bible says let's be angry and sin not. (laughs) Let's watch ourselves. As we come to a close, uh, can the ushers please hand out the communion elements? I'd like us to all stand to our feet. I know I've been, a, I've been a little bit hot today, less laughing and more, mm, but you guys still okay? <laughs> okay. I told you from the beginning. We're going to take communion today. But before we do that, and before we actually take it, I want us to take the elements and hold it in our hands. And remember what these things, what these elements symbolize. I just want to recap as we end what I've been saying. Is that we're living in a world that's angry. We live in a world that is broken, full of issues. Division is rife. As a church, we are called to be salt and light. We're called to live a life that's different to the world. We're called to be love, to give examples of love and add seasoning of love to this broken world. But we cannot do that if we're ruled by the flesh. Thanks, Blue. This here is just juice and a wafer, but it represents the blood of Christ that He bled for us on the cross so that we can be reconciled to God. This wafer represents the body of Christ that was broken for us so that we may know the one who created us and gave us purpose and meaning in life. If you are here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. And you are struggling with hatred. I want us to take that moment and repent 
of our hatred. I'm just going to pray for you. Uh, can the band come up? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord Jesus, and we realize that we have broken, we are broken and we have fallen short of your glory. Lord, that we cannot do this in our own strength. We need you, Lord God, and we look to your cross. We look to your resurrected body, that you, God, were made sin, that you are, that you are bruised and you are made a transgressor for our iniquities. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you give us grace, Lord God, to let go as we repent of our hatred, as we repent of the bitterness that we've held towards other people, whether it's because of tangible reasons or whether it's because of other things that other people have done, but we lay that all on the cross and we trust you, God, with our hurt and we trust you, Lord, with our disappointments. In your holy name I pray. Amen. And if you're here... And you're struggling to love other people. Like you're struggling with being self-centered and thinking about yourself. Your career choices are based on what you would like. All your choices in life are based on what you think. Let's take a moment to repent. Lord, we just come before you, Lord. And we lay down our lives before you in surrender. Jesus, we surrender ourselves. We surrender our lives. We surrender everything unto you, Lord God. Say, Lord, come have your way, Lord God. Come have your way, Holy Spirit. Come have your way, Jesus. God's Spirit, lead us when our trust is without borders that we may be able to walk on water, Lord God, that we may be able to do the things that are difficult, that we may be able to take the road that is least traveled, the hard road, Lord Jesus. I pray that you may fill us up, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. I think we should take a break, uh, a break now. take this bread in remembrance of the body of Christ that was broken for us so that we may be reconciled with God so that our sins may be forgiven let's take the the juice we take this juice in remembrance of the blood of Christ the lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world That his blood washes away all our sin. He makes us clean and he makes us whole. In your holy name, Heavenly Father, we pray. Amen. And as we close off, I just want us to, as the worship team sings the song, if, if you feel like you're struggling and you just need God's Spirit to help you through, where the flesh that you fight is getting stronger every day, the Holy Spirit is God's promise and it's God's deposit on the inside of us that dwells in the inside of us and He helps us to live a righteous life. And as the, church, as the worship team sings the song, I want us to just lift our hands up in a position of surrender and just, just trust God to fill us up with His Spirit.
out, Jesus. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water, let it well up on the inside of us, Lord God. Pour it out, Jesus. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Jesus. We want more of you. Less of us, God. More of you, Jesus. May we decrease as you increase, Lord God.
when you choose to align with the Word of God, that's when your freedom comes. When you choose to align with the Word of God, that's where He steps in and He justifies and stands in the gap on your behalf. And I want to encourage you right now, whatever you're going through, you seek the Father and you get Him to give you Word and you allow the Word to shape and define the situations you find yourself in. Amen? Amen. So Father, as your sons and your daughters, we just yield ourselves to your word. And we thank you that you see every situation we face. You see the the challenges in our hearts. And your word is able to lead us and direct us and cover us and protect us in all those situations and circumstances. We lean into your word. We lean into your truth. We lean into your strength to be gracious and help us to be gracious and loving and kind and forgiving. And we thank you that as we submit to your word, your word empowers us. It empowers us to be the salt and light you've created us to be in this earth. So I bless you, church, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Be fruitful and be faithful to the word of God be empowered by his spirit to be who he called you to be in jesus name amen 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 have a wonderful rest of your sunday and week ahead and to everybody online we hope to see you in the room next week sunday amen thank you for joining church online today we hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message we would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.emdurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.